Hey, this is Brent Ingersoll from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. I'm excited for God's word today. Uh, what I want to do, if you have a Bible, um, I'm going to invite you to open with me to Matthew chapter 6. And uh, we're going to look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 today. And what I want to do is I want to invite every person at every one of our locations and everyone tuning in online today, I want to invite you into a season at King's Church uh, that is corporate, it's annual, it's intentional. Uh, This is a season that we have put at the front of every calendar year. It's a season we call 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And today, I want to speak to the one who is here and asking God for a fresh start. Some of you, that might be uh, fresh perspective. It might be, uh, I need fresh grace, or I just need fresh energy. If that's you today, you've come to the right place. And what I want to do is I want to talk to you today about the vehicle in which God gives us those things. It's what the Bible calls fasting. Now, before you dismiss fasting, I'm asking us all, would you lean in? Because I think fasting is probably one of the most misunderstood, underused practices within the church. And I think if we have a right perspective and a right heart, it can do some incredible things for your life and for our church. Uh, One of the uh, commentators I read this week said that fasting is the portal of power. How many of you need power in your life as you step into 2023, right? Amen? Now, I want to look at the word with us today. This is out of Matthew chapter 6. We're going to look at what Jesus says. He says this in verse 16. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. Top 10 things you don't want Jesus to call you, by the way. Hypocrite. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Let's pray together real quick. Holy Spirit, we ask now, would you come and would you reveal and would you invite us into a season, God, that you are calling us into with you. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen Amen and amen. You may take a seat. I still remember my first time fasting. I was 15 or 16 years old, and uh, our youth group decided to fast together, and we were encouraged to give up something that was distracting or standing in the way of our relationship with God. Um, and so we were encouraged to give up things like food or a type of food or a relationship or AOL. Anybody? Huh? <laughs> Instant messenger, right? And we were going to do this fast for 40 days, which by the way, I should say if a youth group attempts to do that, we ought to deserve some credit for just attempting to fast for 40 days, you know? And so um, at the time, I decided I would fast from food, And let me tell you, it didn't go over too well. I lasted for about three days, and then I got thinking, like, is 
really what I should be doing. And so I thought, well, maybe I should fast from spending time or talking to the girl I really like online. Maybe I'll do that. And so I did the holy shift. Anybody else do that when you're fasting? Where you're like, I'm not sure this is what I can do. Um, but let me just say, even trying to fast from this really you know, pretty girl I was interested in didn't work either because I saw her at school and of course, 15, 16, it's hard to stay away. Can I just, you know, can I just, you know, admit that, right? And so, truth be told, things just didn't go well. In fact, my best friend in our youth group, he ended up, get this, he ended up fasting from his girlfriend for 40 days. Let me repeat myself, girlfriend, not spouse. So I'm not giving you any ideas out there, gentlemen or wives, that we need a break, you know? And, um, and what's really interesting about this is a few years later, they actually got married. So I, don't, I, I really don't know how to make sense of that. I honestly don't. Like, was that a good thing? I have no idea. But um, I don't mean to be flippant about fasting, um, but my experience really points to a greater reality. And the reality is that at the time, I don't really know what I was doing when it, com- when it came to fasting. And I didn't really know what fasting meant. And I could probably conclude from my own experience that nothing radically happened in my life. No circumstances were changed, and certainly there were some effects that happened in my life. I felt hunger pains for the three days. I didn't go with food, and of course, loss of time uh, with my relationships. But the reward for fasting was minuscule at best. That was my experience. And my guess is if you're here today or at one of our locations that this has been your experience too. That you're really not sure what you're doing when you're fasting or even why you're doing it or you've tried it and, and the results have just been minimal. And if we can be brutally honest, maybe where we thought we would find breakthrough and like sufficiency and life, we may, we may have found failure instead. Or shame. It's like, man, I can't, am I that weak that I can only go like two days or two hours without eating food or whatnot? And so we, are, we struggle when we come to fasting by our own doubts, do we not? But we also come up against quite a bit of a, objections against fasting in our world today. For, on, on one extreme, in one, in, one, in one area, some people might tell you that fasting is too dangerous, Like you're not going to have enough energy to work and do what you need to do throughout the week. Or I've heard this, doesn't fasting destroy healthy body like tissue? I actually talked to my own personal doctor one time about fasting. I was uh, engaged in thinking about trying to do a very long extended fast from food. And I broached the question with her and I asked her, I said, so what do you think about fasting? And literally the moment the word fasting came out of my mouth, she looked at me and was like, why would you do that? Like, that's dangerous. Like, strongly discourage you from fasting. In fact, the the word she said was, why would you starve yourself? Why would you do that? Now, I don't have time today to, to tell you why I think fasting and starving are two different things. But just so you know, one of the major objections to fasting is it's too dangerous, but then there's another extreme, too. It's, the, it's not that the fasting is too dangerous. It's actually that fasting is too excessive. It's too much. 
Maybe it's even too radical for some people. And truly, at one time in church history, it was very radical. It was very archaic. It was very medieval. I mean, we read stories of back in the Middle Ages of Christians using fasting as a way of self-mortification and self-flagellation. And so it's, we kinda, it's been given a bad name in some ways, right? And so we, it's, it's too dangerous and maybe it's too excessive, and I've got my doubts about it already, and we ask ourselves the question, is it really worth it? Is this really worth it? Like, what is it about fasting that's so important? I love what John Wesley said in one of his, uh, one of his sermons on, on, on fasting. I think he says it really well. He said, some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. As Christians today, though, this causes a problem for us. There is a problem with fasting. And this is what I want to I pose to you today uh, about the problem with fasting. And it's this. Scripture talks too much about it, and history records too many people who practice it for it to just be disregarded. Scripture talks way too much about it. If we just did a scan all through Scripture today, we would find Moses the lawgiver, David the king, Queen uh, Esther the queen, Daniel the seer, Elijah the prophet, Paul the apostle, Jesus the son of God, all of them fasted. If you look throughout history, some Christians and major Christians of the day, not only did they fast, but they also testified and witnessed to the benefits of fasting. To name a few, you have the reformers, Martin Luther, John Knox, the revivalist, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney. And what we find in the scriptures is that the New Testament Christians, the New Testament church, practiced fasting on a regular basis. And in fact, every commentator I read this week said this about fasting. They said that it was the secret to the church's power. And you begin to wonder, what did they know about fasting that we don't? I love what Arthur Wallace says, and I find these words not only provocative but challenging. Arthur Wallace in his book, God's Chosen Fast, says this, he says, if we want New Testament power, then we can't neglect a New Testament practice. When fasting is exercised from a pure heart and right motive, fasting may provide us with a key to unlock doors where other keys have failed. A window opening up new horizons in the unseen world. A spiritual weapon of God's providing, mighty in the pulling down of strongholds. And so you and I can't just breeze past fasting because of our doubts or because of the objections of our day. And so what I want to do for us today, very simply, is I want to talk about fasting and I want to be able to uh, kind of connect it to our lives. And the way I want to do that today is I want to answer three important questions. Can I do that? Are we good? Three questions today, and I'm going to even show you what these questions are, okay? Here. First question that I want to tackle today is this. What is fasting? What exactly is fasting? Number two, what is the right fast for me? What is the right fast 
for you. It's interesting. The Bible actually gives us indicators and clues of how we can actually know what the right fast for each and every one of us is. And the final question I want to talk about today is how do I start to do it? So what I want to do for just a few minutes is I kind of want to give us a biblical framework for fasting. And I want to give us some direction as we step into this season, as we step into this invitation that God has placed before us as a church at the front of our, uh, our year to enter into this with him. And Jesus is going to help us out today. So let's go back to our, our scripture for just a moment. But notice what Jesus says from the start of our, of our passage. He says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. Now, I want to stop there for just a moment. And this is where language is really important. Notice something that Jesus says on the outset. Look what he says. He says, when you fast, right? He doesn't say, if you fast, He doesn't even actually say, you must fast. He just simply says, when you fast. And what is being implied here is that Jesus kind of expects those who are going to be his followers to be practicing certain practices. It's just going to be part of just the natural thing of following him is going to be fasting. Now, there's a couple of other core practices that we have uh, in the church or, or, or for disciples to do as well. And it's actually, they're, they're all found in Matthew chapter 6. Let me just list them to you real quickly. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, Jesus would say, when you give to the needy. In other words, part of the disciple is your life is going to be one of charity. You're going to give yourself to the needy. Uh, The next one is in chapter 6, verse 5, and Jesus says, when you pray, when you pray, it's kind of an expectation that, hey, my people, my disciples are going to pray. And then finally, right here in verse 16, when you fast, those are the three common core practices of disciples of Jesus. And let me just highlight something for us at King's Church for just a moment. What I find really interesting as I was kind of reading through those this week Do you know that each and every one of these, we as a church do initiatives around? Like, think about it. Like, when Jesus says, when you give to the needy. Church, when do we do that at our best throughout the year? Anyone know? Love Week. Love Atlantic, correct? Or when Jesus says, when you pray. Like, one of the things we've been doing over the last few years is we've engaged in prayer week. It's something we do in the spring. We give emphasis to the practice of prayer. And then, of course, fasting. We've been doing this for a few years now, haven't we? On the front end of our year, to engage into a time of prayer and fasting. And these are the core practices of the church. And Jesus is implying here that we're going to be doing these things when you fast, he says. Now, Jesus is also speaking to people who already fast. Fasting is not new with Jesus. In fact, in Jesus' day, there were two types of fasts. Let me just list these to you real quick. The first fast was a required fast. It was a customary fast. And what, what happened was is that all of the people on the, in the nation of Israel will fast for one day in preparation for a holiday called Yom Kippur or the Day of Atonement. We don't have time to kind of talk about any of that today. But just so you know, there was a required fast that everyone engaged into as preparation into Yom Kippur. 
all right? The second type of fast is involuntary fast. It's the type of fast that we're used to in our own particular day, around an event or something like that, where we just kind of fast. We need time to, maybe it's in the area of repentance or whatever, and so we, we fast involuntarily, but what happened in Jesus' day and what Jesus is actually confronting here are the, the Pharisees, or what he, his term for them, the hypocrites, have taken fasting and they've institutionalized it. What they started to say is that everybody should start fasting two days a week. In fact, they actually had times to do this. Every Tuesday and every Thursday, people were called by the Pharisees to fast. And what happens is when men start to institutionalize something of God, things go stale, don't they? And this is what happened with fasting. And so Jesus comes along and he's saying, when you fast, don't do it this way. We'll get to that in just a moment. But let me help answer the first question for us today. What is fasting? What is fasting? And I've distilled it down to this statement. Fasting is giving up what I physically want for what I spiritually need. Fasting is giving up what I physically want for what I spiritually need need. Now, for some of us, that's why when we come to this season, some of us are thinking about giving up maybe sweets or some type of food or maybe food altogether, or some of us uh, really like brain food, so we we give up our social media, we give up scrolling Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, it's a way of drawing away physically so that we can draw near spiritually. Are you with me? We are giving up what I physically want for what I spiritually need. Now, let me tell you what this isn't saying for just a moment, okay? What this isn't saying is that physical is bad and spiritual is good. That's not what this is saying. It's not saying your body is bad and your spirit is good or it's better. All right, that's not what this is saying. And the reason I bring this up is because if you go down that line of thinking and that ideology, you start to drift into a heresy called Gnosticism, which... Paul actually talks about this, that you know, people started to believe that the body was evil and that the, the spirit was actually better. And this even leaks into the whole understanding of resurrection and all that kind of stuff. And we're not going to go there today. All, I say all that to say that fasting doesn't mean that the body is bad and that the spirit is good. I actually want to say that fasting engages the body and the spirit. Fasting actually brings balance to your life in all areas of your life. Are you with me? So body's not bad, okay? The second thing I want to just tell you that this is insane is it's not saying food is bad, all right? I don't want you to walk out of here and say, well, Pastor Seth thinks that my grandma's, you know, triple chocolate lava cake caked in Crisco is bad. I'm not saying that, right? Like, I don't want you to go away and say thinking, oh, food is bad or physical food is bad or social media is bad or anything like that. That's not what this is saying at all, all right? In fact, what's interesting, Jesus, who institutes a fast, is also the same Jesus who institutes a feast. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus institutes fasting and he institutes feasting. And the most popular feast, of course, we know is what? The Lord's Supper, Right? Uh, Jesus, by the way, loves food. That's why I love Jesus so much. The man loves food. I can get along with that, right? In fact, at one point of the Gospels, Jesus is actually like, like looked down upon and called a glutton. That's how much the man likes to eat, right? Let me say it this way. Fasting is not the opposite of feasting. 
Fasting is feasting. But it is feasting in a different way. I am not feasting physically. I am feasting spiritually. And this is what Jesus actually talks about when, in his own fast. In Matthew chapter 4, you remember, don't you? Jesus is in the wilderness fasting for 40 days. And their tempter comes and he tries to tempt Jesus with hunger. And he says, I know you're hungry, so turn those stones into bread. That's what the tempter says. But what the tempter doesn't know is that Jesus isn't hungry. He's been feasting all along, hasn't he? Notice what he says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. He says, and Jesus answered the tempter, and he says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Fasting, in a sense, is feasting. Let me say it this way. Fasting is just as much of pulling your chair up to a table filled with as much sustenance, vitality, and nutrients, but it's only the type that only God can give, that my Christmas dinner can't. Are you with me? That's what is being said here. Fasting is no, it's feasting. Food is not bad. It's not bad to love food. It's not bad to do any of that. However, let me say this. My inordinate and often out of control desire to want to satisfy myself by stuffing Cheetos in my face every night and scrolling on Instagram can be bad, correct? And so fasting brings balance to our lives. Body and spirit. What is fasting? Fasting is giving up what I physically want for what I spiritually need. Now, I want to answer the second question. We still good, by the way? Everyone good? We good? Halifax, we're good? Okay. Okay. The second question I want to ask is, what is the right fast for me? What is the right fast for you? There is a right fast for you. There is a right fast for me. There is a right way to fast. There's also a wrong way to fast. Let's look at, again, what Jesus says here in the scripture. Again, starting in verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. So don't do what they do. There's a wrong way to do this. For they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Now, what in the world is going on here? Basically, what they are doing is that they are using fasting as a way to alert to everyone around them how spiritual they are. And they would either do this by disfiguring their face. And I don't, I was thinking, like, how do I act this out for everybody to know? I don't know if they just sit there and just like... And you're like, bro, hey, man, you're okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just fasting. You know, I don't know if that's what it is. You know, I don't know what, they, what they're doing. But anyways, what they're doing is that they're, they're using fast, fasting as a way to alert, alert people to themselves, to their own sense of pride. Let me just say something real quick about this. Self-denial can be just as much as a, of a vice as self-promotion. Listen, fasting that becomes about you is not fasting. It's manipulating. To get what you want is manipulation. And this is what Jesus is saying. He goes on to say this. He says, truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. Whether it's like a, an eye roll or a, hey, an attaboy. Oh, dope, you're looking great. You know, that's, that's what he says. But Jesus is saying that reward is absolutely meaningless. And he goes on, verse 17, he says, but when you fast, there's that statement again. It's like Jesus saying, you catching on here? When you fast, put oil on your head 
and washed your face. That's Jesus' way of saying, stop looking like a weirdo and look normal. That's basically what he's saying here. So that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What Jesus is saying, again, let me just, for clarity's sake, Jesus is saying there is a right way to fast and there is a wrong way to fast. Now here's what's interesting, okay? Jesus never actually gives us a handbook on how to fast. You notice that? If there's a right way to fast, he never actually gives us a handbook. It's not like we can flip over a couple pages and Jesus says, okay, start your fast Monday, 8 o'clock a.m., drink a gallon of water. Like, we don't have any information about what we're supposed to do when it comes to fast. Jesus doesn't give us a proper handbook, but listen to me. What he's doing here is he's giving us a proper heart. He doesn't give you a manual. He gives you a motive, doesn't he? He gives you a motive here. And the reason he does is because how many of you know it's entirely possible to do the right things with the wrong motives? (laughs) I mean, we're used to this every day, aren't we? Are you a parent? Hello? You know, like the other night, um, Wednesday night, my uh, two older kids go out on Wednesday night to a program, and my wife takes them out, and my wife goes out for the evening, it's just me my two-year-old, and as they were getting ready to go, I, uh, I noticed my two-year-old was being overly nice to everybody as they were leaving. She went up and gave my son a hug and, you know, kissing my, my son, oh, Jackie, bye-bye, Jackie, you know, and then my wife is getting, bye, bye, mommy, love you, you know, it's just so adorable and cute. No word of a lie, as soon as the door closes, her face changes to serious and goes, dad, TV. Right thing, (laughs) wrong motive, right? And it's not just kids, is it? Sometimes we see this in ourselves, don't we? We actually see this in the church. I I hate to say this, but I have a lot of suspicion around people in the church who come up to me sometimes and are overly nice to me, more than normal. They're kind of like, huh, what do you really want from this, (laughs) right? Right thing, wrong Motive. This is why Jesus doesn't give us a manual. When it comes to fasting, you got to hear me on this today. Jesus doesn't care what you do. He does care about why you do it. And the most important thing, the thing that I think we miss the most, not only is it about why we do it, but unto whom we do it to. If you hear anything today, let me hear this today. We do not fast For a response from God, we fast as a response to God. Are there benefits? Of course. If you fast from food, are you going to lose weight? Yes, of course you are. Are you going to have more clarity if you're off your phone for a month? Of course you are. All of those things are all good and beneficial and great. But let me just say this. A right fast does not begin at your weight scale. The right fast begins at the altar. Right fasting is about worship unto him rather than welfare unto myself. That's what Jesus is getting at here. He's saying, I'm coming to the heart of fasting. And let's just be honest, church. It's really easy to do that in spiritual climate, isn't it? To turn things that are right and do them with wrong motives. In fact, there's this obscure passage 
in the book of Isaiah, and I want to show you this, where the people of God are fasting. And they've been fasting, and they're not really hearing from God. They're not seeing any results. And let me just, let me just read this to you. This is Isaiah 58, verse 3. And this is, the first part is the people crying out to God. Listen, just listen to what's going on here. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed. In other words, God, here, look at us. Look at what we're doing. We're doing this for you. And why aren't you responding the way we want you to respond? Like, it's almost like they're treating faster as a hunger strike so that we can garner power, right? And notice what God says. Heaven is not slow to respond to this, by the way. This is God. He says, yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please. You do what you want. And you're doing it for yourself, and you exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife, and in striking each other with, with, with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today, and expect your voice to be heard on high. Now, look at this statement right here, and this is what I want us to zone in on for just a moment. Verse 5, it says, this is God speaking, is, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? And then again, he repeats himself. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loosen the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? What is going on here and what is God trying to tell his people regarding fasting? This is what I think he's saying. I think he's saying fasting does not begin with the question, what should I gain from this fast? But it should begin by saying, what can I surrender as a way to worship the God of the fast? This changes things, doesn't it? Fasting as worship over welfare. To just surrender to God in the fast. It's, it's coming to God and saying, God, your way is better. And not only is your way better, but actually your fast is better. So let me help you answer your question, the question today, what is the right fast for me? What is the right fast for you? And here's my simple answer. It's the one that God chooses for you. It's the one that God has in store for you. The right fast for you is the one that the Lord of the fast says is right for you. Jesus does not care what you do, but why you do it and unto whom you, you do it to. The right fast is one that starts with God. It originates with God. It's between you and God. This is why Jesus in Matthew 6 says, go and do this in secret before the Father. Because really a good fast, the right fast is between you and God. And the third, the right fast for you is one that is unto God. This is why your fast and my fast can look completely different. But if God has chosen it and God has ordained it, it is the right fast. Are you with me? So he says, God has chosen this fast. Fasting, again, doesn't bring a response from God. It is a response to God. Fasting is more about honoring the benefactor 
than about me receiving my benefits. This is what Jesus is kind of drilling down in, and this is why he comes against the Pharisees' style of fasting, because fasting to be seen by others is not fasting, it's pride. And fasting that is about losing a little bit of holiday weight or getting myself ready for the beach for my trip in Dominican in February is not fasting, it's dieting. Fasting to get like an edge in life is not really fasting, it's just competitive advantage. Like I was reading uh, this past week an article about these tech companies in the Silicon Valley and they have actually instituted fasting in their companies. (laughs) Because they have found fasting brings clarity and clarity brings more hard work and hard work brings what? More profits, right? The author of this Uh, This article, her name's Rosie Spinks, writes this, and this is how she describes fasting. Listen closely. She says, fasting is the practice of manipulating and systemizing our biology. It's a way to post, to, to boost cognitive performance. And Jesus would say, that's not it. Hear me, church. We don't fast for personal, unto personal profit we are fasting unto a holy God. This ought to check our hearts, shouldn't it? As we step into this season, it's not what you do, it's why you do it, and to whom you do it unto. Now, the final question I wanna end with today is how do I start? How do I start? I have four things, and I'm just gonna rifle down through these as we come to a close here. First thing we need to ask ourselves or we need to look at is we need to recognize our need to fast. Ask yourself the question, am I ready? Am I ready? Some of you might be saying, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready. Is this for me? I don't know. Well, there's a few indicators that we find in the Bible. Uh, the Bible actually tells us we need to, you know, when we need to fast. The first thing I want to say, if there's, if there's an area of your life where you need repentance in your life, where you need to turn around, you need to change direction. That's really what repentance is. Fasting is a way to coming to God and saying, I am not just changing my mind, I'm actually gonna change my body in this. Repentance is one indicator of an area that you might need to to fast. You might also need to fast when God has been quiet or distant or absent. Maybe if your life feels fruitless or dry in your life. Another one too, and this is a new one for me, but you might need to fast for, for compassion, for more compassion in your life. Maybe there's just areas you just don't have compassion or empathy in your life. You know, one of the things I felt God was calling me to in this season for this 21 days is to fast from what I call idle media. Basically anything on my computer, TV, on my phone. And as I thought about that, I'm like, this is gonna be great. In 31 days, my mind's gonna, or 21 days, my mind's gonna be renewed. I'm not gonna have all this kind of stuff in my life. And then this past week, I uh, listened to a podcast, um, the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, by a guy named Siddharth Kara. And he began to share in this about um, how renewable batteries are made. Like the, the ones you find in your phone and the ones you find in your computer, the ones you find in electric vehicles and all that sort of stuff. And he began to share about um, the miners in Congo 
who are mining cobalt. Do you know that every phone and every renewable battery in the world needs cobalt right now? And he began to share about his revelation as he went down and spent time with the people. And he said it was like Old Testament slavery. Children with little pickaxes going into holes 30 30 feet deep without any modern construction of mining at all. Women who carry their children on the backs and are out there and they're just chipping away for $1 a day so that you and I can have this at our fingertips. And this week as I listened to that, I just, I just sensed the Holy Spirit say that the reason I called you away from this is because I want you to feel what I feel. For the brokenness in the world. I want you to feel my grief and my suffering. And so I'm setting aside my phone, not because it's going to be good for me, but so that I can enter into God's heart for children on the other side of the world and children and people who are enslaved, not just on that soil, but in our own soil, to enter into God's heart. Another reason to fast, the Bible says, is to lament. Maybe you are grieving a death of a loved one, and sometimes the only response is to actually fast with the Lord. So do you know, do you know, are you ready to fast? The second thing I want to say is we got to ready our hearts. Am I, is my heart right? Is my heart right? Am I doing this unto myself or is I doing this unto God? The third thing is this, we review the fast that he has for me. This is where we ask the question, am I resolved? God, I've, I've gone to you. I've listened to you. This is, what you're, this is what you're calling me to do as an act of surrender and worship and to enter into what it is that you are doing and enter into your heart. Am I resolved? And this is where it's important to have one another around us. I know that this past week our pastoral team, some of our pastoral team was sharing our our, what, what we felt God was calling us to, to, to fast in this season, and not as a way to compare or even compete, but as a way to hold up each other as we obey the Lord of the fast with what he's called each of us to do. And then finally, are you receiving his reward? Notice at the end of our text today that Jesus said, there is actually a reward for fasting the right way. To fasting where only you and God, where fasting happens when, he's, when it starts with him, when it, fasting is unto him. And I got thinking about that. I was like, God, what is the reward that you have for us in fasting today? And the reward I hope that all of us may experience on the other end of this season. And I think, it, I think it's come down to this. The fasting, our reward is that we get to enter into his heart and we get to know his perspective and we get to know his power and we get to know his, his presence. I get to know his perspective. How many of you need fresh perspective today? And I think what happens is when we enter in, the reward is that God allows us into a part of his heart that we don't normally have access to. 
and we can have perspective on our life. We can have perspective on what's happening around the world. We can have perspective about the future. We can have perspective on the grief of the people that are hurting all around us. We can have perspective on our own sin and know how God is actually going to come in and heal me in this season. I think the reward is greater communion with him. One writer says this, that the reward, the reward of, of fasting is that we just get to sit with him. Is there no greater reward than that? That we get to sit with almighty God and to enter into his heart, enter his mind, into his understanding for our lives, enter into his power in our lives. Some of you are here today and you're thinking to yourself, man, is this going to crush me? No, 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 let me, let me say something to you. You will not be crushed by this. Because Satan is the crusher. But Jesus is the one who stands with us and he will sustain you for the fast he has chosen for you. I don't know about you, church, but I don't wanna miss an opportunity and I do not wanna miss a season that God has set before me. I do not want to walk through 2023 claiming Christ, but lacking his power, his presence, and his perspective. And so I say to Jesus, I surrender to you. I surrender myself and worship you in this way and this place. We have some ways that you can jump in with us as a church, and I just wanna kind of review these with you real quick, and I wanna pray, and then we'll be off on our way. But if you wanna visit kingschurch.cc-freshstart, we have all sorts of resources here for you. In fact, if you go there, you're gonna come to this page, and then you're gonna wanna scroll down, and when you do, we have resources here. We have 21 days of prayer and fasting guide. Uh, we have things like you can dive into the word of God. You can, there's fresh start steps. There's prayers to pray with your family and asking the Holy Spirit, God, to give you a word for the year. But I don't know about you. I want to walk this year in power and presence of the Lord. And he gives you and I access to do it. And so my invitation to you, to all of us here, and every person in the sound of my voice is would you heed the word of Jesus in this season and step in and sit with him and enjoy feasting with him at his table. Can we stand together? I wanna pray for us today. Holy Spirit, I come before you and I ask would you write our hearts as we step into this season, God. I, I confess in my own life when I walked through this teaching and I felt convicted in my own life of how many times I come into these seasons and I end up fasting more like the Pharisees where it's really all about benefits for me. Uh, God, I've, I've done that in years past and I found my life lacking so much. And God, this year, as we step in, I pray for, I just pray for the grace of God to come over our church and all of our locations, over every person. God, we ask, Lord, for you to sustain us as we step in as a way to trust you and to obey you as you direct and guide, Lord. We come with a posture of worship, more than a posture of welfare. And so, God, today, we surrender our hearts to you. We invite you to speak to us in this season. We invite you to direct our steps and direct our fast and whatever it is that you want to do in each of our lives today. We just say yes to the invitation. We 
pray this today in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen.